those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Amen. The second to last book of the Bible is a short little letter called Jude. It's written by one of the brothers of our Savior Jesus. His brother, his name was Judas. We call him Jude because uh, something happened and Judas became a rather unpopular name around that time. Jude is so short that it's not even divided up into chapters. It's just 25 little verses that he writes this letter to encourage the Christian church. And Jude wrote at a time when it was not easy to be a Christian. He wrote at a time when it was very important for Christians to be on the lookout and to watch out for false teachings so that they wouldn't be led astray and led away from Jesus. So it's a very timely message. There has not been a time since he wrote that letter when those things have not been true. So we give our attention today to the second half of that letter, these words of encouragement from our Savior Jesus through his servant Jude. I didn't have you stand for the gospel, so let's go ahead and stand up now. Get you a little stretch. Dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. You may be seated. The issue that Jude is addressing in his letter is one that's not unfamiliar to Christians in our Lord's church. Because as long as God has been sharing his word with people, there have been those who will take that word of God and twist it and pervert it and lie about it to suit their own needs. And then you have those who have heard those lies and believe those lies, and they go on to continue teaching those lies to successive generations. And, and the result is that we have today a Christian church that is very deeply divided. Because that's what false teaching does. It divides. 
It divides the Christian church. It divides Christians from the church and from Jesus himself. False teaching often leads people away from faith in Jesus as their Savior. So that's an issue. And that's why Jude wrote to encourage Christians to be on their guard against those false teachings. He writes in this passage that we have in front of us today words of encouragement, and I think we can divide that encouragement into three sections. He wants us to remember something. He wants us to keep to remain with something. And then he wants us to take up a new course of action. And we'll use three C words to try and help to remember that. The first one, the first fill-in would be be cognizant. It's one that we use a lot, I know. Be cognizant. Jude writes, he says, I want you to remember. And what I want you to remember is a warning that you have been given, a warning that was given by the apostles, a warning that was given by Jesus himself, that there will be those who will come who will try to divide you by telling lies and by teaching things that are false. Those people will come sometimes even from within the church itself. And so Jude says, remember that warning. But what does it mean to remember? If you wake up in the morning and you go, oh, I remember the Bible said there are false teachings. Can you check the box? Is it just being aware that we have that warning or or what do we do with it? To be a cognizant Christian, to be cognizant of the dangers of those false teachings means that we remember that they're there and then we're mindful as we go through living out our day of the danger that those false teachings present to us and because we're mindful of the danger, we're able to put ourselves on guard to look out for them, and to try to keep ourselves safe. In order to do that, we have to be able to spot them. And in order to spot a false teaching, the best defense is simply to know the true teaching. So we have to be students of the word of our God. And that gets us into our our second encouragement, which is to be careful Be careful to keep yourself in God's love. That's the main commandment, I suppose we could call it, that Jude gives us here. An an exhortation, it's an encouragement, but it's also a command. Keep yourself in the love of God. And if you look at that verse in verse 20 and 21 where he says, keep yourselves in God's love, he surrounds it with three things that are going to help us to do that. First, he says, be careful to keep yourself in God's love by building yourselves up in your most holy faith. So what does it mean to build yourself up? Our faith in Jesus is very seldom static. Our faith in Jesus is always going to be either growing or declining. We want to make sure that we are doing what we can to help our faith to grow because when it's not growing, it's becoming less and less. And if it declines enough, faith can die. 
So how do we grow our faith? How do we grow spiritually? I think we understand how to grow physically, and I think that it's really about the same, so we can use that as an analogy. If you want to grow physically, there's really three key components. We have to eat in order to fuel our body. We have to exercise and train the muscles that we want to grow. And then we have to rest. So to build ourselves up in the faith to grow spiritually really uses those same three components. You have to feed your faith. You have to exercise it and put it to work. And you have to give it rest. The fuel for our faith is the word of our God. So take the word of your God and read it. Listen to it. Sing it. Talk about it with your family, with your friends. Journal about it if journaling is something that you like to do. Memorize it so that you can carry it with you. Ponder it when you have moments throughout the day. We need to have a healthy diet of the Word of God. Growing physically, I think eating is probably the easiest part for me. It comes the most naturally. We do it three times a day, and we never think twice about doing it. Growing spiritually, eating does not come quite so naturally. But it's just as important. And I think feeding our faith with the Word of God often becomes something that, in our mind, becomes guilt-driven. I don't think I'm doing it enough. I need to do it more. I can't believe I forgot to do it yesterday. Now I need to make up for it today. We don't ever do that with feeding ourselves physically. I'm thinking already, you might be too, about our lunch today, this potluck meal. None of us are going over there driven by guilt. We go because we're looking forward to the food. We go because we know how awesome and amazing it's going to be, and we're looking forward to something yummy. And if we can feel that way about feeding ourselves physically, we can feel that way about feeding ourselves spiritually too. All it takes is knowing what we're being fed with and how amazing and awesome and delicious it is. When we get to spend time with Jesus and hear the words of love that he has for us to be fed in our faith. But it's not enough to just sit at the table with Jesus and be fed by him through his word. Then we have to take what we've learned and put it into practice in our lives. Jesus told a parable about two men who built houses. One of them was wise and the other one was foolish. And the wise man, Jesus said, built his house on a rock. The foolish man built his house on the sand. And when the rains came and the streams rose up and the winds began to blow, the house on the rock stood firm, but the one in the sand came crashing down. Do you remember who the wise man and the foolish man represent? in that parable? The wise man, Jesus says, is everyone who hears my words 
and puts them into practice. The foolish man is not somebody who does not know Jesus. It's not somebody who does not hear his word, who does not read the Bible, who does not go to church. It's someone who does all of those things. Someone who hears my words, Jesus says, but does not put them into practice. So as you feed yourself with the word of God, take some time to think about what he is teaching you and how you can put what God has taught you into practice in your life. Take the time to think through what that would look like and then do it. Because if we want to build ourselves up, if we want our faith to grow, we have to exercise it. We have to put it to work. Physical growth, exercising is probably my least favorite part and comes the least naturally to me. And I think when it comes to growing our faith, it's probably similar. It's not always easy. In fact, Scripture describes this life as a Christian, putting our faith to work in many places as a war, a spiritual war against the forces of evil. And Jesus says about it, he describes it as taking up our cross to follow him. So exercising our faith is not going to be easy. That means we're going to have to take some rest. Growing physically, if you just eat and exercise and eat and exercise, you will still die unless you take some time to sleep and rest and allow your body to heal and grow. And the same thing is true when it comes to our faith. We feed on the word, we put the word into action in our life, and then we need to find rest. But what does that look like? Resting our body, we know, we take a nap, we go to sleep, we sit on the couch and watch a football game. How do you rest your soul? Our opening song this morning was based on a Bible passage that I think you're familiar with, where Jesus gives us an invitation. And again, yeah, it's an invitation, but it's also a commandment. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We find rest for our soul, for our spirit, for our faith when we come to Jesus. We find rest when we come to him, when we take a moment to sit and to reflect on our Savior and his love for us, on his promises that he has given us, on the identity that he gives us, that we are loved we are kept safe by him. We are forgiven and saved through him. We feed our faith. We put it to work. And we find rest for it. And as we do that, we build ourselves up in that most holy faith. As you do those things, though, there's another wonderful practice that we can take up. And it's the practice of prayer. And that's the, the second task that Jude gives us as we are careful to keep ourselves in God's love. He says, build yourself up 
but also do it by praying in the Spirit. So what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? I think simply it just means to pray. Anytime you pray, you are praying in the Spirit because it is only through the Holy Spirit that we have the ability to pray. God our Father and our Savior Jesus pour out the Holy Spirit into our hearts through the Word and through holy baptism. And the Spirit comes and makes His home in our hearts and He gives us His gift, which is the gift of faith that trusts that Jesus is our Savior. And with that faith, we have then the ability to speak to God. To just sit down and tell Him about our day. To confess our sins to Him and ask Him for forgiveness. To ask for His help in our struggles and the troubles that we're dealing with. To thank Him for the blessings that He's given us to praise Him. And in all of that, we have His promise that He hears us and listens to us and answers our prayers. So friends, pray. Pray that God would help you to stay mindful and cognizant of the dangers of false teaching that surround you. Pray for yourself and for all of God's people that you would continue to be built up in your faith. Pray for me. Pray for Pastor Borman. That we can continue... It's just this cold that I have, you know, it makes it hard to talk sometimes. <laughs> that we can continue to boldly and confidently proclaim the word of God as we should. And pray that God, who in those final verses of our passage promises you that he is able to keep you from stumbling and that he will present you in his presence without guilt and filled with joy will do precisely that. Build yourselves up. Pray in the Spirit. And finally, Jude says, do this as you wait. As you wait for the mercy of our Savior, Jesus Christ, to bring you to everlasting life. Hard things are going to happen along your walk in this life with Jesus. Even as you stay in the Word, even as you continue praying to your Heavenly Father, this world is filled with sin. And it's filled with the curse of sin and it's filled with the consequences of sin. And there are going to be times when that sin will very negatively affect you. And in those moments, it's tempting sometimes to, to accuse God and to get angry with Him. It's tempting at other times to forget about God altogether and just turn to something else to try to numb down the pain. So in those moments, friends, when it gets hard, wait on the Lord. Be strong and find courage from Him and wait on the Lord. Wait for the mercy of your Lord Jesus Christ which will bring you to everlasting life. Jesus is not blind to your circumstances. He knows your struggles. He knows your suffering and your sorrows. He feels your pain. 
and he will deliver you. He will bring you out of this world with all of its sadness into his everlasting kingdom that is filled with joy and gladness that will never end. So be careful to keep yourself in God's love, building yourself up, praying in the Spirit, and waiting on the Lord. Everything that we've seen so far from Jude is all very self-focused, right? Be cognizant for yourself of the danger that lies and false teaching pose to you. Build yourself up. Keep yourself in God's love. Pray and wait yourself on the Lord. But in verses 22 and 23 now, he turns our focus outwards. Turns our focus to the people that God places into our lives. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To summarize all of that, we could say be compassionate. Right? Let your concern be not only for yourself and for your eternity, but be concerned also for others and for their eternities. Help people to remain in God's love. And if they're wavering, if they have doubts, help them to regain their confidence by pointing them to Jesus and helping them to wait on the Lord. And if you know somebody who is not in the love of God, if you have a friend who's standing with one feet or both feet in the fire, save them. Snatch them out. Introduce them to the love of Jesus that you know and that has been introduced to you. If in the course of getting to know somebody it becomes apparent to you that there is one false teaching or another that is leading them astray and that has the capacity to divide them from Jesus and his church, help them to see the truth. Share the truth that you have learned with them so that by that they might be saved. It's a lot of encouragement, but whether it's self-focused encouragement or others-focused encouragement, everything that we've talked about so far today is law-focused encouragement. Jude wanted to encourage the Christians he was writing to to watch out, to protect themselves, to keep the faith that God had given to them. And I want to encourage you also to do the same. And there is a lot that we need to do to protect our faith, to live life as Christians. But if it were only that which we do, that would be kind of terrifying. I can speak for myself that my worship, my Bible study habits, my prayer, my focus on God, my compassion towards others is anything but perfect and often falls very far short of where it ought to be. I can speak for you too, because I'm your pastor. Yours is not great either. And so in closing, Jude gives us a doxology. 
a word of praise that redirects us, that takes that terror away by pointing us back to our God and reminding us how amazing and incredible he is. He says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and right there already there's encouragement, as you seek to be careful and to keep yourself in God's love, you have a God who is able to keep you from stumbling. You have a God who is able to help you walk the walk that he is calling you to walk. And who is not only able to, but who does and who will. To him who is able to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. How about that? You will one day stand in the presence of God. And as you stand there and you face him, you will be able to do it without fault or fear or guilt because Jesus has taken your sins away. And so as you stand there and face your God, you will be able to do it with your heart filled with only joy. As you see a God who loves you so dearly that he sent his son to rescue you from your sins. To him, the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen.